0: There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild livings. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. And is alive again He was lost and is found So they began to celebrate Meanwhile the oldest son was in the fields When he came near the house he heard the music and dancing So he called one of the servants and asked him What's going on? Your brother has come home he replied And your father has killed the fattened calf Because he is happy to have him back safe and sound But this angered the older brother And he refused to go inside So the father went out and pleaded to him but he answered his father Look All these years I've been slaving for you And never disobeyed your orders Yet you never even gave me A young goat So I could celebrate With my friends But when this son of yours Who has squandered your property On prostitutes Comes home You kill the fattened calf for him My son the father said You are always with me And everything I have is yours But we had to celebrate And be glad Because this Your brother He was dead And now is alive he was lost but now he's found.
1: Well, it's so good to be with you this morning. My name is Rich. I'm part of the leadership team here at King's and we're continuing our Finding God series this morning and looking at this story of the prodigal son and I'll come back to that story in just a few moments. But first I wonder how many of you have heard the word rumspringer? Rumspringer. It's an Amish word and it literally means running around. And it describes the practice which still happens in some Amish communities today of encouraging young people about 14 to 16 years old to have a season of experimenting with the world around them, of leaving their community to experience the world in whatever way they choose. And it comes with this understanding that when they come back, these young people have a choice. They can either get baptised and commit to the local church or they can turn their back on their family and the community and live out in the world for good. Now, I'm not sure how many of you watching this morning are from an Amish background. I mean, with online church, you just don't know. But I do know there'll be plenty of us who've done something like this, who've had a season of running around. Maybe we wouldn't call it a rum spring. Maybe we give it another name. Maybe it's a midlife crisis or the seven-year itch. Maybe it's fresh as fortnight. Perhaps life has just got a bit samey, a bit familiar, and we've gone on this search for freedom. Listen, maybe you're in this right now. But if that's you, I want to ask you, and please hear this, I'm asking as someone who has plenty of experience in this myself, how is that going? How is it going? Is it working out as you hoped it would? We're in the second week of this Finding God series, and really this series is for all of us. So last week, John talked about the longings that we all have, universal longings for things like love and purpose and meaning, this sense that we've been made for something more. And we look to all kinds of things to try to fulfill those longings, relationships, money, pleasure, work, power. We heard earlier the story of the prodigal son, and I want to just focus in on just a small part of that story today. And really, this is the turning point in that story. So it says this in verses 17 to 18. When he came to his senses, this is the young man, the prodigal son. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. See, this is a key moment in this young man's story. It's the moment where it changes from being a running away story to a coming home story. It's the turning point. And really this turning point hinges on two things that this young man does. Let's look at those two things this morning. First, he does this. He comes to his senses. See, this young man is in a complete mess and he's left a trail of mess behind him. In asking for his inheritance early, he's dishonoured his father He's humiliated his family. And now to make matters worse, he's not even made a decent go of it. The inheritance has gone. He's blown it completely. The money has dried up and he's hit rock bottom. I mean, how desperate, how hungry do you have to be to find pig food tempting? This lifestyle that he's chosen for himself and his great search for freedom has led to anything but freedom. He's in a place he never wanted to be. I wonder, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that place? Because this isn't just a story that Jesus told years ago. This is a story that is played out day after day in our world. I wanna give you an example of that now from a friend of mine in the church. We're gonna hear the first part of Neil's story.
2: Hi, I'm Neil. I grew up in a large family, the second born of six children. It was a really tough childhood, to be honest. It's a childhood I wouldn't wish on anyone else. It started with a series of really tragic events. When I was seven, my father died in a car crash, and then my grandfather died three weeks later. My mother lost the full-term child she was carrying due to shock, and my nine-year-old sister was raped. My family was deeply traumatised by these events. Understandably, my mother was in deep shock and grief and had nothing emotionally to give. I remember longing for my father, longing to be held and comforted, longing to feel loved. Not long afterwards, I was still seven or eight. At a wedding, I was given alcohol. I loved the effect and went round stealing drinks until I was intoxicated. For the first time in months, I felt alive and happy. I felt free. At the age of nine, I was stealing to buy alcohol. By 12, I was selling drugs. And at 14, and for the rest of my teens, I was placed in a variety of institutions. Even after I was released, I found myself going back to the same kind of life, desperate to satisfy the longings I had. A string of failed relationships, drink, drugs, crime, sex these things seemed to help at first but ultimately they left me feeling alone, empty and dirty with no peace I was lost in the chaos of addiction one very dark night God showed me what I'd become I rolled onto my knees and with tears rolling down my face I cried out God please help me to stop
1: Oh well, my goodness, that is a story. Thank you so much, Neil, for your honesty and for your openness. And we're not going to leave it there. You'll be relieved to hear. We're going to hear what happened next in Neil's story later on. Now, I appreciate that your story might be nothing like Neil's. You may not have experienced the things that Neil experienced. You may not have been through the things that he went through. You may not have done the things that Neil did. But I think we can all empathise with that sense of searching for something. In Neil's case, searching for acceptance and for love. And we can empathise with that experience of looking for it in all kinds of places that just leave us wanting more. What do we do in that situation? Well, first, we need to come to our senses A couple of weeks ago, we went on a family walk and I planned this walk and I got the directions from a website and the pictures looked beautiful. It was rated 9.2 out of 10 for its breathtaking scenery. So we're out on this walk and it came to a point where I made a decision to go down this footpath. Now, if I'm honest, I knew this wasn't the right way. It didn't feel right. It didn't really fit with the instructions, but I led us down this route. And for some reason, although I knew it was wrong, probably out of stubbornness, I just kept going and going down this path. About an hour or so later, we are clearly lost. And the kids are doing great, but they're hungry. They were promised lunch about an hour ago, and we end up walking across a bridge over the M40. And the scenery is anything but breathtaking. And I have to admit to my family that I've taken them on a wrong turn, as if they didn't know. It turns out I made a stupid mistake with the instructions. But here's the thing. I came to my senses and we went back the way we came. And my family were incredibly patient with me. But one of my kids said something really insightful. They said this. Dad, they said, that small wrong turn led to a big problem. Thank you. (laughs) That small wrong turn led to a big problem. I wonder, maybe that is your story. Perhaps it started with what seemed like a really insignificant choice, but then you just kept going and going down that path. And now you're in a place where you never thought you'd be. Have you come to your senses? Or maybe actually, if you're honest, you know it was a deliberate choice. You knew, you knew what you were doing from the start. You knew the implications. You knew the consequences it might have. Perhaps people said to you, don't do this. And you, you did it anyway. Well, have you come to your senses? See, we don't know how long the prodigal son had been away, but we do know there was a moment where he woke up and saw things as they really were. See, that's what it means to come to our senses, to see that the things that we've done, the choices that we've made, the lifestyle that we've chosen, our strategy, if you like, for finding freedom, however good we thought it was, it hasn't worked. It's just left us feeling more alone and more empty and more lost. I remember a moment in my own life where I woke up to the reality of who I was and and the life that I'd lived to this point. It was an ordinary ordinary morning on my way to work, but just in this moment of rare clarity, I saw how I'd hurt people. Things I'd done, things I'd said, decisions I'd made in relationships where my own selfishness had led me to do things I wished I hadn't done. And in this moment, it was like the clouds parted and I saw things more clearly. It was like waking up to reality. Every finding God story has a turning point and it begins with coming to your senses. And that is the first step towards a new life. The author Richard Rawl puts it like this. You cannot heal what you do not acknowledge. And what you do not consciously acknowledge will remain in control of you from within, festering and destroying you and those around you. See, we need that coming to our senses moment where we look at our life and realise that for all our best efforts, we've made a mess of things. But what next? Do we just stay in that place of regret? What do we do with that regret? In the film About Time, a young man learns a family secret and it's this, that the men in his family can travel back to any event in their own life and they can live it again differently. And it's really easy. just go and stand in a wardrobe and you close your eyes and you clench your fists and you think back to that moment and you're there. And you've got a second chance. You can live that moment again, only better. All those times when you've made a mess of things, when you said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing or just left a trail of brokenness behind you, where well, you can fix it. You can do it again and again until you get it right. But of course, real life isn't like that. I wish it was Sometimes. And to make things worse, now we live in a time where our lives are documented in photos and videos. Maybe social media is full of photographic or video evidence of our mistakes. If only life had a delete button. And what does the prodigal son do? He comes to his senses, and that's the first step. But then he makes a decision to go home. See, he didn't have to go this way. He didn't have to do this. The story could have said when he came to his senses, he decided to try a different career path with better prospects and fewer pigs. But instead, he says, I will set out and go back to my father. See, what the son is doing here is what we would call repentance. And I get that this word has certain connotations with it. It just sounds kind of heavy. It sounds hostile, religious, repent. It seems a churchy word. The the sort of thing you might hear someone yelling at you in the street. Many people hear repentance today and think, why should I? A famous poet once said, the weak alone repent. And that's how many people see it as a sign of weakness. But what does repentance mean? Well, it means just to change your mind. It means to change direction, to turn around. The prodigal son says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. What is he doing here? Well, he's turning around. He's going home. See, if you want to find God, if you want to experience a new life of genuine freedom, if you want the love of God to explode into your life, then it has to start here. Repentance is the key. Many people in our church can recall a specific moment where they found God, a turning point where they turned from their past and made a decision to follow Jesus. And that is wonderful. But actually, repentance is an ongoing thing too. My experience is that finding God is an ongoing journey. It's a relationship with times of real closeness and then times of wandering away and needing to come back. Repentance is not a sign of weakness. It's an acknowledgement that we've been going the wrong way and it just hasn't worked. I wonder if we can pause just for a moment here. See, what we're talking about here has the power to change lives. It has the power to change your life today. Today. See, my guess is that a lot of us come to our senses. A lot of us recognise the decisions we've made have led us to a place of regret, decisions in relationships, financial decisions, where we've woken up with regret many times over. The problem is we can just end up in this cycle where we regret what we've done and so we look for fulfilment in something else, in a career or a relationship or a hobby, trying the next thing and the next thing, but nothing works. We still end up with this sense that there must be something more. But when the prodigal son comes to his senses, he makes a decision to go back to the father. This is about us and God. I wonder what sorts of things stand in the way of you coming to God. Maybe it's a sense of shame for some of the things you've done. Perhaps you have questions. What would happen if I came to God? What would other people think? Would I look like a hypocrite? Would I be accepted? Could God ever forgive someone like me? Why would he, knowing all that I've done? When the young man comes to his senses, he says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. See, he realises the goodness and the generosity of his father. He realises that his dad is so generous that he gives way beyond what people deserve. And it all comes down to how you view God. So when you think of God, what kind of God are you thinking of? Do you see him as an angry disciplinarian? Do you see him as the kind of father who watches for you to mess up, who delights in your mistakes and who loves to point them out to you, to critique you? Because who wants to come home to that kind of God? You've already heard how the story of the prodigal son ends. It ends with a wonderful father throwing his arms around his son and we'll dig into that part of the story in the next few weeks. But do you see the character of God there? Do you know the lengths that he's gone to in order to forgive you? He's a father who's not prepared to stand back and allow us to be swallowed up by our own self-destruction. No, he's the God who comes down into our mess and he lived the perfect life that we cannot live. He lived a life of love and obedience and kindness. And then he went to the cross for you. And he did it so that all those things that you've ever done wrong, everything you've ever said, every decision you've made that has taken you further away from the life you were made to live and all that guilt and shame and regret that you carry, he went to the cross so that it could all be nailed there with him. He took the punishment so that you could be forgiven. See, this is not about pretending those things didn't happen. It's not about hitting delete. And it's not about pretending they don't matter. Is that God has dealt with those things once and for all. See, repentance is a sign that we know that God is good and that he has our best interests at heart. That is the God of the Bible, a father of goodness and generosity. And, you know, through coming to him, we can be free from the past and have a fresh start, a clean slate. And we can go on to better things, a life of freedom where the past doesn't have the hold on us that it once had. How do I know this? Again, because I've seen it. I've seen this in my own life and I've seen it in the life of others. Let me show you now the
2: rest of Neil's story. One very dark night, God showed me what I'd become. I rolled onto my knees and with tears rolling down my face, I cried out, God, please help me to stop. There was no lightning flash, no angels. So I just carried on the way I was going. Within six weeks, I had a Christian probation officer who helped me to go to 12-step rehab, where I was detoxed and went into daily therapy. It took two spells in rehab and two years in residential rehab for me to be able to re-enter society. I had experiences of God through the 12 steps, but at first I didn't want to be part of the Christian faith. Instead, I explored other spiritual paths, Sufi healing, Reiki, Paganism. There were moments, but I felt like something was missing, like I still had a hole in my soul. One summer, having taken my ex-partner and child to the Christian festival, New Wine, I started to experience a magnetic pull towards the Christian church. This was unnerving. It was definitely not part of my life plan. I visited a local church and it was a million miles from my preconceived idea of church. I registered for Alpha and had a wonderful experience. I made friends on Alpha who are still friends today. Then on the Alpha Holy Spirit day, I was filled with the Holy Spirit in a very powerful way. I had the absolute certain knowledge that there is a living God. He is my Father and He loves me. A couple of days later, I offered myself to God. I repented wholeheartedly, and the Holy Spirit washed through me and set me free from my past. Now, I have a Heavenly Father. I feel deeply loved. I feel free and alive in a way I'd never found through any of the substances or paths I'd used before. I found peace, and a church family who care for me. The longings that were never fulfilled before have all been satisfied in Jesus. Oh, what a change that is. What a
1: change that is in Neil's life. Neil said, now I have a heavenly father. I feel deeply loved. And did you see there was a turning point? It started with prayer He came to his senses, he cried out to God, and and then he went on this journey of turning around and getting to know Jesus. Now, I appreciate this may be very new for some of you watching this morning. Watching church on a Sunday just might not be what you tend to do at the weekend. Neil said that this was not part of his life plan. If I'm honest, it wasn't really part of my life plan either. But I can tell you from personal experience that the way to find true freedom from all your brokenness and your regret is to come home to God. Every finding God's story has a turning point. Does your story have a turning point? Perhaps there's a turning point for you this morning. Last week, John introduced us to something called Pascal's Wager. And this is a bet that we're challenging everyone to place with God over these 30 days. It's a bet that he's real and that he loves you. And it's a challenge where you have nothing to lose and potentially everything to gain. gain. We've got daily reflections for you to follow. If you've not managed to do that this week or if you're joining us for the first time this morning, that's totally okay. You can start today. But as I close this morning... I really want to invite everyone watching this to pray with me a simple prayer if you'd like to do so, just quietly, wherever you're watching this morning. And the prayer is this, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the possibility that with you I could start over again. Let's just say that quietly together now. God, if you're real, Make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the possibility that with you I could start over again. Well, Jen and the band are going to lead us now in one worship song and we're going to use this as a moment here to pause. So as you listen to this song, you might like just to sit and reflect on the words and ask God if there's anything he'd like to say personally to you. Or maybe actually you know this is a turning point moment for you. Perhaps you've been doing your own thing and now you've come to your senses and actually you want to know God this morning. If that's you, why don't you take this moment during this song to say sorry to God and to ask him to take charge of your life. Let me pray and then we'll listen to this song together. Our Father, I thank you so much that you are good And I want to thank you, Father, for your wonderful sacrifice for us. I want to thank you that you loved the world so much that you gave your only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Father, come and make Jesus more real to us than ever this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.